beloved Bhagwan. Bodhidharma's bloodstream sermon. Everything that appears in the three realms leads back to the mind. Hence, Buddhas of the past and future teach mind to mind without bothering about definitions. But if they don't define it, what do they mean by mind? You ask, that's your mind. I answer, that's my mind. If I had no mind, how could I answer? If you had no mind, how could you ask? That which asks is your mind. Through endless kalpas, without beginning, whatever you do, wherever you are, that's your real mind. That's your real Buddha. This mind is the Buddha, says the same thing. Beyond this mind, you'll never find another Buddha. To search for enlightenment or nirvana beyond this mind is impossible. The reality of your own self-nature the absence of cause and effect is what's meant by mind. Your mind is nirvana. You might think you can find a Buddha or enlightenment somewhere beyond the mind, but such a place doesn't exist. Trying to find a Buddha or enlightenment is like trying to grab space. Space has a name but no form. It's not something you can pick up or put down and you certainly can't grab it. Beyond this mind you'll never see a Buddha. The Buddha is a product of your mind. Why look for a Buddha beyond this mind? Buddhas of the past and future only talk about this mind. The mind is the Buddha and the Buddha is the mind. Beyond the mind there's no Buddha and beyond the Buddha there's no mind. If you think there's a Buddha beyond the mind, where is he? There's no Buddha beyond the mind, so why envision one? You can't know your real mind as long as you deceive yourself, as long as you're enthralled by a lifeless form, you're not free. If you don't believe me, Deceiving yourself doesn't help. It's not the Buddha's fault. People, though, 
are deluded. They are unaware that their own mind is the Buddha. Otherwise, they wouldn't look for a Buddha outside the mind. Buddhas don't save Buddhas. If you use your mind to look for a Buddha, you won't see the Buddha. As long as you look for a Buddha somewhere else, you'll never see that your own mind is the Buddha. And don't use a Buddha to worship a Buddha. And don't use the mind to invoke a Buddha. Buddhas don't recite sutras. Buddhas don't keep precepts. And Buddhas don't break precepts. Buddhas don't keep or break anything. Buddhas don't do good or evil. To find a Buddha, you have to see your nature. Whoever sees his nature is a Buddha. If you don't see your nature, invoking Buddhas, reciting sutras, making offerings and keeping precepts are all useless. Invoking Buddhas results in good karma. Reciting sutras results in a good memory. Keeping precepts results in a good rebirth and making offerings results in future blessings but no Buddha Realization of enlightenment or Buddhahood. Is difficult and it is also not difficult. It is difficult if you start looking for it. It is not difficult if you simply sit down, settling within yourself in calmness, quietness, being just purely aware. then you are the Buddha, then you are the enlightenment. It is not that you become enlightened, it is not your becoming, it is your very being. 
it is you in your simplest spontaneous nature enlightenment is your self nature once somebody attains to enlightenment the greatest difficulty is to convey it to those who are living in darkness and who have never seen any light it is almost like talking about light to the blind people one enlightened master has been reported to have said that my whole effort of conveying my experience is just like selling glasses to the blind people many of those who have attained have remained silent and those very few who have spoken knowing that their words cannot carry their enlightenment its beauty its joy its fragrance that the moment the experience is translated into words something essential dies only a corpse reaches to the other person but out of compassion hoping against hope few enlightened people down the ages have made every effort to convey to you that life is not all that you think it is it is much more much infinitely more but no enlightenment has ever written a single word for the simple reason that the spoken word has a certain warmth 
and the written word is absolutely cold. The spoken word has the presence of the Master, but the written word has no presence of the Master. The spoken word is not just a word. There are so many other things which may be indirectly conveyed to you. The presence of the Master, the blissfulness of the Master, the grace of the Master, his inviting eye, his heart calling you, invoking you for a journey, for a pilgrimage to your own being. All this is absent in the written word. Hence, no enlightened man has ever written anything. But the disciples have taken notes, and all the literature that exists in the name of enlightened people is nothing but disciples' notes. The problem becomes more and more complicated because the disciple is writing something which he does not understand. He loves the Master. He has fallen into a deep love affair, but he does not understand the mystery of the Master. He is under his magical influence, but he does not know his secret. Unless he knows his own secret, he will never know the secret of the Master, because they are not two things. But the disciple thinks, has been thinking for ages. That the words of the Master should not be lost. They are so precious. They are pure gold. At least something for the future generations should be collected. But his understanding is very small. He writes according to his understanding. First must is last when the Master speaks. 
then much is lost when the disciple hears then much is lost when the disciple writes and when the disciple writes in one language and then it goes on being translated in other languages it becomes a far away echo from the original for example bodhi dharma has spoken in chinese which was not his mother tongue he was born in india he learned chinese even in your own mother tongue to give expression to the experiences of your innermost life sources silences of your heart and blissfulness of your being is difficult even in your mother tongue but to speak in a language which he has just lunch and chinese is not a simple language if one wants to be really a scholar it needs at least 30 years because it has no alphabet it is a pictorial language it is a very primitive sort of language the alphabet brings language to a very simple phenomena but the non alphabetical language like chinese or korean or japanese have a great difficulty for one who is not born in those lands you have to remember thousands of pictures those languages are pictorial each thing has a certain symbolic picture and unless you remember thousands of symbolic pictures it is impossible to speak it is impossible to write and bodhidharma had only 3 years 
while he was moving towards China, he was learning as quickly as possible before he reaches China. He did in three years' time almost thirty years' work. Naturally, what he has said is far from his experience. And the difficulty is again multiplying. because these sutras are translated from Chinese into English. For example, I will just give you one word which is very central to these sutras the word mind. Anybody reading these sutras is going to understand exactly the opposite what Bodhidharma must have meant. And the reason is the word mind. In English there is only one word. for your thinking process. That is mind. And in English language there is no word which can denote something beyond thinking process. And the whole philosophy of Gautam Buddha and Bodhidharma is how to go beyond thinking process. In Sanskrit, in Pali, there are different words. Manas, which is the root of the English word mind exactly means thinking process. Then chitta means consciousness beyond thinking process. Those who are very alert and those who have not only been just scholars but have also experienced something about meditation. Wherever in these sutras you will find the word mind, a meditator would put just its opposite, no mind, because English has no words for no mind.
say it is just arbitrary creation. Everywhere in these sutras where mind is mentioned, please read no mind. Otherwise she will go absolutely on a wrong track. The sutras, everything that appears in the three realms leads back to the low mind. The translator says to the mind. Mind is something to be transcended. Mind is a disease. Meditation is an effort to go beyond it. Hence, I will read everywhere instead of mind, no mind, to correct the translation. The translation is done by somebody who understands language but who does not understand meditation. Everything that appears in the three realms, which are the three realms? The body, the mind, the heart, leads to the fourth, the Turiya, which can be translated only as no mind, to a silence where there is no ripple of thought. where time disappears, space disappears, and just a pure consciousness, not conscious of anything, but conscious of itself, a self-luminous awareness, remain. Everything leads to this self-luminous awareness. The people who understand meditation have always translated the word chitta as no mind.
Hence, Buddhas of the past and future teach mind to mind without bothering about definitions. This is so ridiculous. But scholars are really doing something that they are not prepared for. The right thing will be to say, Buddhas of the past and future teach no mind to no mind. From silence to silence, from prisons to prisons, and naturally, in that transfer from silence to silence, in that transmission. From being to being, there is no place for definitions. Definitions are part of the mind. The moment you transcend mind, you transcend all definitions. Now the disciples' mind comes in, but if they don't define it, what do they mean by mind? This is so stupid. It is unbelievably ridiculous. The disciple who has taken these notes himself is puzzled. He asks, but if they don't define it, what do they mean by mind? And he answers himself to satisfy, you ask, that is your mind. I answer, that is my mind. It is true about the disciple, but not true about the enlightened being who does not express himself through the words. Even if he uses the words, that is only a device to create moments of silence. The real transfer happens in the gaps. Nothing is said 
and nothing is heard and yet the message takes a quantum leap from one being to another being this is the beauty and the miracle and the magic that happens between the master and the disciple the disciple goes on if i had no mind how could i answer if you had no mind how could you ask that which ask is your mind through endless kalpas through endless ages without beginning whatever you do wherever you are that is your real mind that is your real buddha he is getting really confused but anybody will be in the same position not knowing that meditation is a transcendence a freedom from mind it is a beyond a space there no functioning of the mind can ever reach and that is your true nature that is your enlightenment that is your buddhahood and out of that silence whatever you do is enlightened out of that silence whatever grows is a lotus of paradise out of that silence you cannot do anything wrong in fact out of that silence the very idea the distinction between wrong and right good and bad disappears whatever you do out of that silence is simply existential the way it should be it is not your effort it is not your thought out pre-planned act it is simply your spontaneous outpouring
दिस माइंड इज द बुद्धा लेट मी करेक्ट इट दिस नो माइंड इज द बुद्धा बियॉन्ड दिस नो माइंड यू विल नेवर फाइंड एनुतर बुद्धा to search for enlightenment or nirvana beyond this no mind is impossible the reality of your own self nature the absence of cause and effect is what is meant by no mind your no mind is nirvana but remember wherever i am saying no mind in the sutra itself is written mind i disagree with it totally and bodhi dharma will disagree with it and buddha will disagree with it and anybody who has even a little glimpse of meditation will disagree with it you might think you can find a buddha or enlightenment somewhere beyond no mind but such a place does not exist trying to find a buddha or enlightenment is like trying to grab space a space has a name but no form it is not something you can pick up or put down and you certainly can't grab it beyond this no mind you will never see a buddha the buddha is a product of your no mind in fact no mind and buddha are synonymous but the poor disciple who has taken these notes goes on using the word mind which is absolutely absurd while look for a buddha beyond this no mind buddhas of the past and future only talk about this no mind this no mind is the buddha and the buddha is this no mind beyond the no mind there is no buddha and beyond the buddha there is no no mind if you think there is a buddha beyond the mind 
Where is he? The same mistake continues all along the Sutra, and it is the ancient most Sutra about Bodhidharma, and for almost fourteen centuries it has been accepted as Bodhidharma's teaching. And the reason is that nobody tries to understand the experience by experiencing it. People simply read scriptures, they become knowledgeable, but deep inside the ignorance prevails. They start talking about light, but their blindness continues. That's why he says, you think there is a Buddha beyond the mind. There is the Buddha only beyond the mind. It is not a question of thinking. But this stupid disciple, says there is no Buddha beyond the mind. He has made it a point that Buddha and mind are synonymous. Then what is the need of meditation? You all have minds, you have enough of Buddha, do you need more mind? You need freedom from the mind freedom from all the fetters of thought, emotions, moods, sentiments, they all constitute your mind. And beyond them there is a witness, a watcher. That watcher is the Buddha. I have to be hard on this disciple, although he has done a service to humanity, he has kept a record of Bodhidharma's words, although he is not capable keeping the record in a right way.
बट स्टिल हिज रिकॉर्ड कैन बी करेक्टेड बाय एनीबडी ऑफ द सेम स्टेट एज बोधिधर्मा सो देर इज नो प्रॉब्लम he has done a great service although he is stupid once in a while he repeats bodhi dharma you can't know your real no mind as long as you deceive yourself as long as you are enthralled by a lifeless form you are not free what is your imprisonment your mind is your prison there are different prisons but they are all prisons the hindu has a different kind of prison different architecture the mohammedan has a different prison different architecture the christian has a different prison and so on so forth but they differ only in their architecture as far as the prisoner is concerned they are all prisons and people move from one prison to another prison in the hope that perhaps they will find freedom the christian becomes the hindu the hindu becomes the buddhist the buddhist becomes the mohammedan and they are simply changing prisons from one program they move to another program and what is needed is a deep programming that's what in scientific terms is the meaning of the word meditation deep programming if your mind can be completely deep programmed that it becomes a completely erased tabula rasa a clean slate from which every knowledge has been erased this innocence 
is the beginning of no mind. This innocence is the birth of the Buddha in you. If you don't believe me, deceiving yourself does not help. It is not the Buddha's fault. People, though, are deluded. They are unaware that their own no-mind is the Buddha. Otherwise, they would not look for a Buddha outside the no-mind. The greatest delusion, according to those who have reached to the highest peak of awareness, is searching and seeking outside yourself the truth, the meaning of existence, are the deathless eternal current of life, mind always tries to look outside because the very function of the mind is to work in the world. That's why mind is perfectly okay in science, in business, in economics, in everything that is outside you, mind is perfect the right means. But that which is within you is beyond mind's reach. You will have to leave the mind and move above and away. The moment you become only a witness, watching the mind as something outside you, you have come home. But the man who had taken the notes and the man who has translated them into English, perhaps both have no experience of meditation. They go on repeating the word mind, where only no mind is ever possible.
Buddhas don't save Buddhas. Now this I can say must have come from Bodhidharma. This is such a tremendously meaningful statement and so outrageous that it is beyond the capacity of the poor disciple who cannot even understand it. He has simply written it, he must have heard it. Perhaps Bodhidharma was again and again repeating it. This is one of the most essential teachings of Gautam Buddha that nobody can save you. Jesus says that I am the Savior. If you compare Jesus and Bodhidharma, you will be in for a great surprise. Jesus says, you are the sheep and I am the sheepherd. If you get lost, I will find you. And it looks for those who don't understand, a great compassionate ideology, Jesus seems to be a great compassion, love, kindness, In fact, that's what Christians say, that he sacrificed himself to save humanity. But nobody asks, the humanity is not saved. The poor fellow died unnecessarily. I have always been wondering I have been listening to Christians and without feeling any embarrassment, they go on saying that Jesus gave up his life to save the humanity. I used to be very friendly with a preacher, Stanley Jones. He was a well-known Christian missionary and had a very philosophical bent of mind. 
whenever he used to come into the city where I was, I always used to go to listen to him. One day it was too much. He was continuously repeating that Jesus is the only Savior. I had to stand up. I said, it is not my business. I am not a Christian. And in fact, in the church, I should not create any disturbance. I don't belong to the congregation. But you are repeating such nonsense. You go on saying that he saved the humanity by giving up his life on the cross. But the humanity I don't see anywhere saved. He could not even save himself. But all the religions born outside India have the idea of the Savior. Mahmudanism, Judaism, Christianity, three religions are born outside India. They all three have the idea of the Savior. In India there are four religions. Hinduism, Sikhism, Jainism, Buddhism. Jainism and Buddhism are the only two religions who simply deny the very concept of saving anybody because they say and I agree with their concept that it is condemnatory, it is humiliating, the very idea that I will save you makes me higher than you and holier than you. I become special. I am the only begotten son of God, or I am the only prophet of God, or the only messenger of God, and you are just ordinary human beings. Bodhidharma's statement is Buddhas don't say Buddhas. He is saying you are all Buddhas, whether you know it or not and how anybody can save you. How one Buddha can save another Buddha? All that a Buddha can do is to wake you up. That is not much of a saving. 
when you wake somebody up do you think you are holier and special and you have done a great service to humanity by waking a poor fellow who was sleeping Buddhas don't save Buddhas. This is a very pregnant statement. It gives equality to every being. The only difference, which is not much of a difference, is everybody is a Buddha. Few are asleep and are unaware. of who they are and few have become awakened and know who they are but essentially there is no difference at all and there is no question of saving anybody it is the right if somebody wants to continue to sleep it is his birthright you cannot forcibly wake up somebody that is interfering into his freedom it happened i was sitting on the banks of ganges in allahabad i had gone to speak in a christian college in allahabad and the christian college is just on the bank of the ganges on a very beautiful spot just near the railway bridge I was sitting on the bank and there was nobody for miles and suddenly a man came and jumped I thought perhaps he is taking a bath and as he jumped he started shouting help me help me what are you seeing he was just close to me for a moment i thought what is the matter if he wanted to be helped why he has jumped but i thought it is better first to bring him out if i start thinking about it by that time he will be finished so i jumped he was a heavy man i pulled him out somehow and i felt a certain resistance it became even more puzzling he is shouting save me i am drowning and when i was trying to bring him out i felt that he is not 
being helpful he is resisting my efforts i said you seem to be mad do you want to be saved or not he said please save me so i pulled him out and when he was out he started becoming very angry at me he said can't you understand i was committing suicide that you should have told before then why you were shouting say me he said it is natural i wanted to commit suicide but deep down somewhere there is still a desire to live that's why i started shouting i said okay i simply pushed him back i said if this is the case then i will not do anything against you he started shouting again that you are mad or what do you want to kill me i said no I have nothing to do with you. Whatever I have done, I have undone it. Now I will sit silently here and watch. Somebody else came by and jumped and took him out. This time he did not give any resistance, and he went on looking at me. <laughs> I said what is the matter where are you going He said is it compulsory to commit suicide I said it is not I have never told you to commit suicide you were committing suicide have you forgotten He said you seem to be a strange man when somebody commits suicide or tries to commit suicide people prevent him you help them i said i am ready to help anyway if you want to get out of the river i am ready to help if you want to go in the river i am ready to help I don't want to interfere in your life style whatever you want to do He said I don't want to die I said that's perfectly okay You can go But think twice You may have to come back again He said I am not going to come So it is up to you I am just reminding you that the idea of suicide will come again to you and this is a good chance don't miss it ordinarily there are so many people on the bank just by chance there is nobody only a man who is ready to help anyway this way are that He said, "Till you are here, 
I am not going to come. I said, it is up to you. Without me you will be in difficulty. Bodhidharma is saying Buddhas don't say Buddhas. Buddhas simply make every effort to wake people to their own reality. But it is not a question of saving. They are Buddhas already. Nothing has to be added. This is one of the greatest contribution of Buddhism and Jainism. But again and again that disciple is bound to commit mistakes. He is simply helpless. This sentence he has put exactly as it should be. But again he starts, if you use your mind to look for a Buddha, you won't see the Buddha. As long as you look for a Buddha, somewhere else you will never see that. Your own no mind is the Buddha. He is saying mind. I am reading no mind. And don't use a Buddha to worship a Buddha. Again, this statement I can say with absolute authority, comes from Bodhidharma. Don't use a Buddha to worship a Buddha. Just as a Buddha cannot save another Buddha, this is absolutely idiotic that one Buddha should worship another Buddha. Buddhism is against worship. The last words of Gautam Buddha were, don't make my statues, don't make my temples, because my whole life I have been teaching you that you are a Buddha and you don't have to worship another Buddha. And particularly, a stone Buddha is being worshipped by a living Buddha. This is sheer absurdity. And don't use the mind to invoke a Buddha. Buddhas don't recite sutras, Buddhas don't keep precepts, and Buddhas don't break precepts, Buddhas don't keep or break anything, Buddhas don't do good or evil. These statements 
must be coming from bodhi dharma directly because it is beyond the capacity of the disciples to say such great things bodhi dharma is saying that buddhas don't follow any discipline except their own awareness they don't follow any scriptures except their own light neither they follow anything nor they break anything neither they do good nor evil they simply act out of his spontaneity which is beyond good and evil buddhas are not puritans are moralists they act out of pure consciousness their actions are not decided by any ideals by any precepts by any sutras they don't recite any sutras they don't bother about holy scriptures because they know their own awareness is enough to show them the path and to lead them to their ultimate destiny to find a buddha you have to see your nature whoever sees his nature is a buddha if you don't see your nature invoking buddhas reciting sutras making offerings and keeping precepts are all useless these words have certainly the ring and the sound of a man of awareness they must be coming from bodhi dharma but the disciple is not satisfied he must be feeling a little uneasy the whole idea that reciting sutras making offering and keeping precepts all are useless he must be feeling unease because these are all irreligious ideas no ordinary religion is going to accept them hence he immediately puts his own ideas invoking buddha's results in good karma 
Now this is his edition. Just now it was useless, but he could not feel at ease with the word useless. He had to write it because Bodhidharma must have been saying that. But he is free to dilute it. In fact, he starts changing its whole tone, invoking Buddha's results in good karma. Reciting sutras results in a good memory. Keeping precepts results in a good rebirth. And making offerings results in future blessings, but no Buddhas. He has been trying hard to put exactly the words of Bodhidharma, but it must have been a great effort and a great tension to him. Because what Bodhidharma is saying is possible to be understood only by people of great meditation. It is not possible to be understood by so-called ordinary humanity. It goes against all ordinary religions, ordinary prophets, ordinary messengers of God, ordinary holy scriptures, Feeling uneasy, he makes some additions on his own part. Now if a man reads these sutras without having a taste of meditation, he is bound to be in a confusion and he is bound to be misled by the disciples. He is mixing and polluting the pure crystal clear water of Bodhidharma with all kind of crap because he cannot tolerate such crystal clear approach, so refined, that although there has been many enlightened people in the lineage of Gautam Buddha, but Bodhidharma became the most famous he is not the founder of Zen Buddhism. 
फाउंडर ऑफ जेन इज महाकाश्यपा बट इवन महाकाश्यपा हैज फेडेड बोधिधर्म इज नॉट द फाउंडर बट एक्चुअली ही हैज बिकम द मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट एनलाइटेंड पर्सन आफ्टर गौतम बुद्ध जस्ट बिकॉज ऑफ हिज आउटरेजियसनेस हिज नॉन कंप्रोमाइजिंग अप्रोच He is not going to console anybody. He is going to say simply the truth. Whether it hurts you or heals you, it is up to you. But he is not going to add a single word just to console you, because every consolation is putting you into sleep. Every consolation is a kind of opium. Bodhi dharma is absolutely strict. That's why he is painted as a ferocious-looking man. It does not mean that he was like that. He was a prince, and I don't think. that the way he is painted down the centuries is his actual photograph it is rather the experience of those who had to deal with him he was ferocious and he was ferocious because he will not say any consolatory words he will simply say the naked truth if it hurts you good perhaps you need to be hurt and only that will awake you don't need any consolation because that will put you into a deeper sleep bodhi dharma is unique and i can understand why his disciples could not understand that must have been the case with almost many people who have heard him because at the last moment when he wanted to choose a successor he had chosen only four and from four he was going to choose one 
he was really strict. Perhaps the most strict master the world has ever known, but the most compassionate, because his strictness is nothing but his compassion. Yes, Prabhu. You give wings of love to my heart, beloved And I dance and sing in the wind, beloved Yeah.